ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Brian McDonald behind the glass. It is the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. How you guys doing today? You guys all right? Beautiful day in the neighborhood, I'll say that. Yeah, it's a little warm for me. It's kind of hot. I, I don't disagree with that. It got a, it went from one extreme to the other very quickly, and a happy medium would have been nice, but it's beautiful. I feel like it's going to be 100 degrees before we know it. Yeah. I'm, like, I have to mow the grass. This like, is my too grass hot is for warm. you. How soft are you, Jeremy? It's not a matter of being soft. It's a matter of being comfortable. It's pretty soft if you think this is too hot. What is it? It's like 75? Whenever you're in the sun, it feels said, like 80. No, we, they said we're breaking 80 today. Yeah. When you're in the sun, it feels like 80 degrees. Not 80 degrees. Oh, my God. I mean, I can handle it. Like, I'll go do yard work in it. I'll go golf in it. But I'd rather it be 65. Like, there's a difference. There's a difference between being soft and then saying it's, you know, hotter than you would like. I'm good with 80s. I just comfort level. I would appreciate a gradual change. Here, it seems like it's it's high 30s and low 40s in the mornings one day, and the next day it's 65 in the morning. Yeah. I'm going, I was getting ready to put a jacket on this morning going, oh, guess not. Nope. I had to. Uh, I had the heater on two days ago, and then I had the AC on yesterday. It's, you know, it's one of those things. Anyways, we're a sports show. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs, they won the Super Bowl. Um, Brian thinks that Yahoo made a lazy, fraudulent list of teams that are capable of upending the Kansas City Chiefs. But, of course, making it from a, a local point of view, before we take a look at the teams that they think could upend the Kansas City Chiefs, what, what are the chances the Texans can? Uh, it depends on what your time frame is. I think the Texans eventually – are going to get there. There's no doubt about it. I believe that they are on the right path to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs. Do I think it's going to be next year? I don't. I think that a lot remains in the balance with what they do with the draft and for free agency. But at the same time, I think that's a pretty that's a pretty big leap for this team from what they did last year to this year, considering that they went from a super soft Stay Puft Marshmallow schedule to a tough first-place schedule. So... I think that they are on the path to do that in the next two years. I don't know. I, I just, me personally, I don't think it's going to be next season. I yeah. Think, I think it could be next season, but there's three, you know, cr- critical question marks they have to answer. They have to answer the question of how they replace Stevie Nelson, assuming that he's gone, how they get that second cornerback, especially going up against Patrick Mahomes, what they do with Jonathan Gennard or the pass rusher that replaces him, and then shoring up the offensive line, which also then helps improve the running game and protect C.J. Stroud. They answered those three things favorably, and I think they could be the team to do it as, as quickly as next year. Easier said than done. Definitely um, easier said than done. You have to hit on a lot of things. I think the Texans have positioned themselves to make those type of moves to where they're now in the mix of teams that can potentially up in Kansas City. I'm kind of on the fence uh, in terms of, yeah, I know that schedule next year is really, really tough. At the same time, I think that C.J. Stroud going into his second year and with the team that they're going to build around him, I think is capable of, of handling uh, a tough schedule. I'm not talking about going on a 15-2 and two type of year, uh, but I can see him going 10-7 and seven and winning the AFC South, even though that schedule's tough. Like, that's, what, 60%, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that they're capable of doing that. Now, the offseason's critical, and, like, that's what's fun about this offseason is that the Texans are good again. Like, we didn't care about free agency last year. I'm sorry, I just didn't. Um, and maybe I should have because the Texans were better than I thought. But I was tired of the Rex Burkheads. I'm tired. Like Blake Clash, uh, Blake Cashman had a good year, but it's Blake Cashman, like this journeyman guy. And quite frankly, I don't think Casario, as the general manager of the Houston Texans, has went into an off season saying, "Let me build a playoff caliber team." Uh, I think that they beat expectations by a year. Uh, I don't think they expected to be a playoff team, and they'll say the right things. You know, the process. It's about you know the process process, not the result, one day at a time. And that's how you should handle it. If you're a GM and a coach, you build the best roster that you can. Uh, as a coach, you're developing the players every single day. Like They, they can't afford to look at, okay, I think we're going to go 10-7 and seven this year. That, that's for us. That's for fans uh, to do. Coaches are just living day by day trying to get the most out of their team. Uh, general manager is a little bit different because
because you have to build for the future and build a roster. I don't think Casario's actions last year in free agency were, I'm going to build a playoff team, nor do I think they should have been. Like, he shouldn't have been thinking like that. I, I think that they're ahead of schedule. I think Casario, like, his deepest – uh, you know, thoughts, if you gave him truth serum, uh, maybe gave him a carb or two, he would tell you that, yeah, probably probably a year ahead of schedule. So this will be the first year in Nick Casario's career, like his mm-hmm. entire career, because this is his first GM job. This is going to be the first time in Nick Casario's career where he's looking at free agency trying to add to a playoff team. And that's exciting. That's what, that's what makes the offseason exciting for me in free agency, which is just right in the corner. I think the Texans are capable of doing it. I would put it at like a 25% chance next year. I think you're onto something, Blankers, with the timeline. Like, okay, you stack it. Uh, you had a really good year this year. Stack it next year. Stack it the year after that. Stack it the year after that. Continue to build this team that can go toe-to-toe with, quite frankly, a dynasty in the NFL. Like, this is one of the better dynasties we've seen in NFL history. Top five, probably. So this is, this is punching up. This is a big task to do. But I think the Texans are moving in the right way. Yeah, here's the thing, too, Jeremy, that I was thinking about when you were talking, and that is there's two different ways to answer that question. You're going to play the Chiefs in the regular season, so you're, and you're going to play the Ravens. So are you, going to play, uh, you know, are you going to play up to their level in the regular season, or are you going to play up to their level in the playoffs? Because it's two different things. And, and the Ravens beat you both times. They did it in both ways last year. And so that's one of the targets as well. It's the Chiefs. It's the Ravens who had the best record in, in football. And it's the way you go about your business. It's one thing to say you can compete with them during the regular season. We all know, like, if you get the Chiefs in week one, it's a different Chiefs team than later in the season and obviously a different team when you get to the postseason. And and what you want is a team that consistently takes its entire level of play to where they can compete with them in the regular season, and they're capable of taking it to another level in the playoffs as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of – similar I think they're kind of the same conversations like you're capable of beating that team I know that it's a bigger stage once you get into the playoffs and you're going to be graded a lot more about you know how you do in the playoffs versus just beating those teams in the regular season but I think if you're capable of beating you know a fully healthy Baltimore a fully healthy Cincinnati a fully healthy Buffalo uh, I, I think that you're a contender um, I wouldn't have put the, the Texans in contender status this past season. Like, you won the AFC South. You won a playoff game. That's a, re- a great year. Great year. Not selling the Texans short at all. They weren't, they weren't on Kansas City's level. They weren't on Baltimore's level uh, last year. So they have to take that step up. I don't think Baltimore was on Kansas City's level, even though it was a pretty close game. Uh, but Kansas City has the titles. I'm, I'm curious if Lamar ever is going to get one. Same thing with, like, Josh Allen in Buffalo. So I have faith in C.J., that CJ can be the second best quarterback in the AFC as soon as next year. Uh, it sounds crazy, but I believe that. And if you have the second best quarterback in the AFC, I think that gives you a better shot over anyone else to dethrone Kansas City. It does, but at the same time, we're talking about, and you're right, the biggest thing that, that I think we're on the same page with is this is a hypercritical offseason no matter what because you're not trying to add the kind of guys that even you added a year ago where you were adding – you know, Blake Cashman's and Singletary's and, and Dalton Schultz's, you're, you're looking to make the kind of significant ads with the draft and then who you bring in and who you choose to let go to take this entire team to the next level so that you can compete on that level because everybody has to bring it to another level. CJ's mm-hmm. capable, and we know he probably will, and he's going to get better and better. But when you look at the rest of the guys on this roster, and especially when you look away from the receivers – and look away from the majority, you know, a couple of your offensive linemen, you're looking at it and you're going, okay, how much better can we get? We know D'Amico wants to improve the running game and the defensive line. In order to do that, it's going to take some work, and you're going to have to do some things, and, and, and maybe with the cap too as well, to get a little creative to make sure that you're capable of doing that. So it's not just CJ being the second-best quarterback in the AFC – it's having a roster that's going to step up as well so that he has plenty uh, to work with, and D'Amico's got what he needs on the defensive side so that they can do that. I don't think that you have to. You should be building a roster with another team in mind. I feel like that's kind of like a loser's mentality. Like, okay, we're going to build our 53-man roster based on another team being really good. I think it's... I think it's a loser mentality. I also think it's kind of silly. You might not ever face that team. Like, it, to me, yeah, it I'm, doesn't make any sense. And No, you're not saying that. Right. But, and it was kind of preluding to the, the point I'm trying to make or the question I'm going to ask, what gives you the best chance to beat Kansas City? Because, like, you know that the Texans have 
somewhere between 57 to $65 million, whatever the salary cap ends up at. Uh, maybe you can add a little bit to that based on some cap casualties that are out there. Uh, some other stations are getting around to having that conversation that we had two weeks ago. Um, so, like, maybe you can create a little bit more money. But what's the best way to attack Kansas City? Like, should you build this mega offense? Like, we had the Mike Evans. What's your threshold for him? Saquon Barkley's name's been in the mix. These running backs have been in the mix. Is that the better route? Or is the better route to go with a defense that probably is not going to stop a Mahomes, but that gives you a better chance to slow him down as opposed to just trying to win a shootout? Yeah, I think the way you got to look at it, you're right, with the mentality of saying, I'm looking at the top echelon of teams in my conference, let alone the top echelon teams in, in the NFL. But just because you've got to get out of your conference to, to, to do anything against the NFC anyway. But I'm looking at Baltimore, who beat you twice. I'm looking at Kansas City, who wasn't great all year, but really, uh, obviously, late in the season. Disagree. Disagree completely. What? That Kansas City wasn't great. I think Kansas City was great. They had the second-best defense in the NFL. I, I don't think as a team they were great until the last five, six weeks of the regular season and then just kept the train moving down the track at a very high rate of speed. They, 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 had their, they took their lumps. They even said that if they don't get their, their, their ass handed to them by the Raiders, that that was the wake-up call that they needed. And without that, that Andy Reid, he had some concerns about his team. And, and they got that slap in the face and they, they flipped that switch and they were capable of doing what a lot of teams can't do. That obviously starts with the greatest quarterback on the planet right now. But you've got Travis Kelsey, you've got that defense you're talking about. They went eleven and six. Like, they, they went eleven and six, but it, there was a time it, it, in the towards the middle of that season where everybody was scratching their temple, going, "The Chiefs look like they're offensively right." Like that, that's but a that's mis- part of the like, team, but, though. But yeah, right. But I, I think one, they were complacent. Two, we have this misnomer because they're not clicking offensively that they weren't a great team. Like they had the second best defense in the NFL and had the offensive players that you're talking but everybody about. Was there, was, there wasn't one point of the season where I was like, Kansas City's not capable of being great. Not well, one I, point of the season I thought that. I kept riding with them, but I was taking lumps on when we were when we were uh doing busy money and stuff because they weren't the team we thought they were gonna be. The receivers weren't who they thought they were gonna be. They did do enough. They came into their own. Rice came up. Kelsey struggled mightily for a, for a few weeks and then came back and bounced back. But there were some serious questions about that team, and it looked like a team that wasn't one of the most Offense. dominant. Like but, I feel but, like but, you're lumping in the defense with that. Like they they were there was never I understand questions where about their the defense, defense wasn't ever, where it was rated. Ever. I understand that, but but at the same time, offense is part of the team. Sure, and everybody looks at that team as a team that puts up big numbers is capable of doing so much, and they weren't they weren't doing any of those things. So that's why a lot of people put their overall overall capability to win it all in mm-hmm. question. I think we overvalued their offensive struggles and undervalued their defensive prowess. Like, they kind of flipped who they were. Uh, they went from being this high-octane, high-powered offense that we, that we know, and they were a defensive first team. And that because of that, it's like, okay, where did that offense go? And they're like, well, they're not as good. Except they went 11-6, and six, and then they cruised through the playoffs and won another Super Bowl. Uh, they flipped the switch, too, offensively. Like, Kelsey didn't have a, as huge a – you know, fantasy years he did the year before. Same thing with Mahomes. Uh, they kind of flip philosophy a little bit. Uh, Yahoo doesn't think that the Texans are capable of being this team. They list the Ravens, Bills, Lions, Rams as the teams who can uh, break the Chiefs 49ers reign over the AFC and the NFC. Are you there with the Ravens and Bills? Uh, look, I think the Ravens could make a couple of tweaks, and with the team that they had and as dominant as they were in the regular season, I think the Ravens are fully capable of competing with the Chiefs, and that, that, was, that was a good football game to watch. I, I don't I want to say that we're two evenly matched teams, but, I, but because I think that the Chiefs' offense at that point was better than what the Ravens' offense looked like in the where they were, I think the defenses were very similar in a lot of ways. But I think that if you give Lamar you know, a couple more weapons in free agency this year, I think that that team is capable of competing with the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm I'm out on this. Uh, I I don't think that Lamar can beat Mahomes. Uh, I don't think that the Ravens can beat the Chiefs. And, and it's always the story of Lamar. If you can give him more weapons, if you can give him more weapons, like they signed Odell, they drafted a wide receiver in the first round. They have Mark Andrews, who they brought in there. Like, how many weapons does the guy need? I think they need running game. Yeah, like, you, that, you lost some be, running backs, and Odell was washed. They still signed him for a good chunk of money. That's on them. That's on them, but it's adding a weapon. But you can get rid of him and get, and use the money and to try and get someone that's a little bit more capable of being effective. I mean, they did spend first round draft capital on a receiver. Yeah, I'm not saying Zay Flowers wasn't good, 
Zay Flowers also hurt him in the playoffs with more than just his receiving skills. But they added weapons to help Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not there with the Ravens, and I'm not there with, with the Bills either. I, I don't trust Lamar and Josh Allen uh, to get over the hump. Uh, I, I trust Lamar more than I trust Josh Allen. Like, if I had to pick one of these teams, I would go Baltimore over Buffalo. I don't think, Buff- I don't think Josh Allen's capable of winning three playoff games in a row. Uh, Lamar, I could see it more. Not really. The team I would throw on here that we haven't mentioned, Cincinnati. Like, Joe Burrow yeah. has given Kansas City fits, and I know Kansas City finally got over that hump last year. They, they seem to have their number. Like, Cincinnati would be the team that I would throw here over, over Baltimore and over Buffalo. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it, just like what we were talking about with the Texans, too, it, it, it remains to be seen what they're going to do. I mean, Reader's a big sign for them that they got to get done. Um, their defense has been decent um, as well. Um, they have to be willing to spend the money because you're right. When Burrow's back, that's a legit team. Um, I would watch what the offseason plans are for both the Chargers and the Dolphins as well because I think that look Miami defensively is where they have to figure some stuff out and I think with Harbaugh in year one I don't expect them to completely turn it around but they have a lot of pieces too that they can work with yeah to a to us uh, I don't know if I want to put two on a tier that can run through that gauntlet of quarterbacks Herbert hasn't done it yet but I feel like he could mm-hmm. with proper tutelage problem the Chargers they're in cap hell uh, they're gonna have to have some t- very difficult roster decisions coming up uh, 713-780 ESPN HRMP listener line 713-780-3776 Brian make faces on Wednesday too it's weird how that works Joe made faces on Wednesday Brian makes faces on uh, Wednesday as well uh, tons of off-season stuff for the for the uh, Houston Texans. The NFL is never really in the offseason. It's always front of mind. Uh, Astros continuing to do things in West Palm Beach. Lance McCullers. What do you need from Lance McCullers this year? We'll discuss that as well. Uh, best free agent fits for the Houston Texans. Two names that have been linked to the Texans. Do you think it's a great fit? 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. Search ESPN Houston on YouTube. You can find us there as well. Joel's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. Brian's at Sacked by BMAC. I'm at Jeremy Branham. It's the Killer Beast on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Lamont, uh, L-M-A-O. How many bad word more weapons are we going to give Lamar Jackson? Maybe if we just, just give Lamar the Lombardi trophy, and then maybe he can win. Um, I don't think your point's a bad one. Um, you know, they traded, they, they drafted Zay in the first. Odell Beckham, I just looked up his contract during the break. They gave him $15 million. So, like, that's ridiculous. Like, that's foolish money. That's stupid money. Like, you can better use that money. But uh, it does show you that they used a first rounder for Lamar. They used $15 million for a weapon for Lamar. To your point, yes, they lost running backs. Yes, they could have spent the money better than Odell. Uh, 100% true. And, like, they're in the, I think they're going to be in the Derrick Henry game. Um, mm-hmm. I do so too. Like, so, like, that, that obviously is a weapon. And I'm not, this is not, not really nitpicking or like putting a fight up with your point on Lamar. This is more like a, a general thought. I feel like if you're doing that kind of stuff for a quarterback, I don't think that quarterback is necessarily elite. Pat Mahomes. And it's, and it's not just the first on Zay Flowers. They also spent first on Rashad Bateman. They spent a first on Hollywood Brown. I believe, what, a second-round pick on Mark Andrews? They've, they've attempted to give him every weapon they possibly could. They've, they've built around him. Mm-hmm. Now, from like an elite quarterback perspective, I always point to Kansas City trading Tyreek Hill because they felt they had Pat, they have Pat Mahomes. An elite quarterback brings up the rest of the room. Um, and then the opposite is true. Like, do you think two is elite? I don't. They're the ones no, who traded for Tyreek. Uh, do you think David Carr's brother Derek was elite whenever he was with the Raiders? I don't. No. They traded for Devontae Adams. Whenever I, I just have this sense that whenever you're adding that many weapons and using that much capital, whether it's draft capital or finances, uh, to build the rest of the team up around a quarterback, I don't feel like you have an elite talent. And that's kind of where I'm at with C.J. Stroud. That's why I'm balking at the idea of $20 million for Mike Evans. I'd rather see you be a little frugal with a third receiver and then draft one in the middle rounds. Like, you can't just ignore it. Like, you can't ignore the position, but is whenever you have a franchise elite quarterback, is it better suited to use a first-rounder on defense, to use a $20 million player on defense, and then you get 
the middle free agent to be your third receiver. You draft third and fourth round running backs knowing that your elite quarterback is going to bring uh, everybody else up. A rising tide, bringing up all boats, whatever that saying is. No, and I think that it's the haves and the have-nots when it comes to the playoffs. And I think that if you're a Texans fan, the greatest thing that you can look at is you have the closest thing to the next have in the AFC because of what we highlighted with the other quarterbacks. As much as Lamar won the MVP in the regular season, we know he's the James Harden of the playoffs, and we know he, he's had issues trying to win big games, especially coming from the one seed multiple times when they've lost well before they were supposed to. But you look at Herbert. He hasn't done anything yet. You look at the guys that we're talking about. It's Burrow as the other guy probably on that tier of the halves. Mm-hmm. And if it's if it's guys like Tua, guys like guys that would – because I agree with you, Lamar and others – where you're questioning, do they have it? Do they have the capability of doing, taking the team on their shoulders in the playoffs, doing what needs to be done? And if they don't, or you have concerns, then you try to, to overpowder them with the, the weapons. And so, at least from a Texans perspective, you have one of those three guys in the conference that looks like they've got it totally, and you can build it, and he can make his receivers better, and you can make weapons more productive. But at the same time, you still have to fortify the rest of that team. It's sure. just that you're in a really good spot if you're Houston knowing that, hey, that is a really tough find that you got at quarterback. See, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of whenever you have that elite quarterback, let him bring everybody else up. Uh, like I argue with people all the time about Peyton Manning. Like, What would Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison have been if they were playing with Matt Schaub? Like, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I think Peyton Manning was a pretty big contributor to them, uh, to helping them a lot. Um, so that's just kind of where I'm at with quarterback. But you can sit here and say, well, Burrow has Jamar Chase. Uh, Josh Allen has Stephon Diggs. Uh, you brought up Justin Herbert. He has Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So, like, it's it's not binary. Like, we can make it, like, this yes or no conversation when it's really not that. It's very gray. Right. It's very broad. Uh, it's it's very fluid, uh, for lack of a better way to say that. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. A couple of – ESPN had the best free agent fits uh, for every free agent in the NFL. Not everyone, like top 100 or whatever. Uh, they have two guys going to the Texans, and they have one critical free agent leaving the Texans. The free agent they have leaving the Texans – John Grenard. They have John Grenard going with Chicago, which surprises me. I thought they were pretty heavy on the defensive line. Mm -hmm. Uh, But John Grenard leaves Houston, and in the two fits that they like in Houston – Dalton Schultz stays. We talked yesterday. Is it better to give him that franchise tag at $12 million or give him a multi-year deal at 10 or 11 I don't know. And then the second option that they had, Saquon Barkley to the Houston Texans. See – if you're if you're looking to take that step up to compete at the very top of the conference, that would be one of the guys that gives CJ more balance in the running game. That would be exciting. That would be a, a really really good pickup for them. Depends on the price, as I always say. You get Schultz back, which is another one of his security blankets. Obviously, he knows he's got to play better, but the money the money's going to be there, and they're going to if they pay him. You got to replace Grenard then, and that would be an interesting conversation as to the hows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it's not just replacing him; it's finding a guy capable of preventing Will J. Anderson. J. Watt. What's that? JJ Watt. Okay, like I said, you've got to find a guy fully capable <laughs> at this point of taking the heat off of Will Anderson and making sure that there's pressure coming from the other edge. And that he's capable of doing the things that make those two guys effective as bookends. It doesn't have to be Grenard, but if you're not going to have Grenard, then find me someone else that can play the position better than just all these stopgaps they brought in at the end of the year. I'm ready for the player movement. I'm ready for the this guy signs here, this guy signs here. Now, the Texans did make some splashes today. They brought back D'Angelo Ross. Mm. Big addition. Huge. D'Angelo. But, I mean, I actually do have a hot take about that. He's a special teams guy. He's a special teams guy. They already brought him back. They're making him a priority. The Texans, according to like some report that measures special teams, had the best special teams in the NFL. Maybe they overspend a little bit on Kaimi Fairbairn and Cam Johnston. They're showing you they care about special teams, which I think, which I think is good to care about special good. teams. Like yeah. I care about special teams. Well, I mean, special look, teams matter too. You know when special teams really start mattering to people? When they start really sucking and costing you games and – getting punts blocked and not being able to tackle and doing some things. So the fact that it, it didn't go as noticed, that's sometimes par for the course because there's so much emphasis on the offense and defense. But you want to have your special teams do their job, and if they're towards the top, 
that's doing their job and then some. And, and that's a huge relief because special teams are capable of winning games, but more so than not, there can be the reason why you lose games. So I'm glad that they're up towards the top. Uh, 2164, love the Killer Bees. Uh, thank you. Be mean to us. That's how you contribute to the show. Uh, 8863, Nico eventually developed. So could Hutch, hopefully faster. Uh, could we already have that third guy in Xavier Hutchinson? I like what Hutchinson brings to the table. I think he does continue need to make improvements and progress, and he's got some work to do. I'm not going to rely on him to replace you know, to replace Robert Woods and or Noah Brown and be that guy next season. I think he's going to be in the receiver room. I think he has a ton of upside. I just don't know if he's ready to be a, a really important cog next season. I think that Hutchinson and Mechie are both intriguing prospects and can help you. Like, I think they can help you a little bit next year, and I think by the time their contract is up, they can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm ever going to say that either one's going to be a top two, top three guy, but I like going into next year with Hutchinson as my number five and Mechie's my number six, and that's interchangeable. It doesn't matter which one's five. doesn't matter which one's six. Mechie and Hutchinson is my five, six I'm comfortable with. I'm comfortable with Nico and Tank as my one, two. It's about getting that three, four. Right. Uh, that's why I'm a fan of like Curtis Samuel as my three third, fourth-round rookie receiver as my four. Let those two guys battle out. Like, I like that room a lot. Now, you could argue with me that it doesn't have the leadership and that that's where Robert Woods comes into play. I'll trade talent. I'll trade leadership for talent. Give me give me talent over leadership. And I'm not devaluing leadership. I think it matters, but I think talent matters more. And hopefully Curtis Samuel's not like a jerk, and he can be a little bit of a leader as well. But I like that receiver room. That's why I'm not spending $20 million on Evans. That's yeah. why I'm not drafting a receiver in the first round. I believe in Stroud, and I like the sound of that six-man room. No, and you, you and I are on the same page in the fact that we don't think that you need to spend twenty plus million dollars on a wide receiver because uh, of the combination of CJ making receivers better and the fact you got two guys in the room and two other guys that have a ton of talent that could upgrade the room before you do anything in the draft or in free agency. So you don't have to overspend. But I'd also like to see those two guys, Mechie and, and, and Hutchinson. I'd like to see those guys spend this entire off season trying to figure out how they can move, elevate themselves and elevate the team in the process by becoming better. I think I think from the hands perspective with Hutchinson, it's got to get better. I understand John John Mechie had to get healthy first and foremost, but he played the majority of the, the, the regular season now. So now it's about, can I get back to Alabama John Mechie, but can I be more of a factor than, you know, with this, in the NFL by doing things that I have to do better on a, day, a game-by-game basis? It makes sure matters to him a lot. What's that? You know, next year's huge for him. It's this, huge. I mean, it's this massive. Year was the first year coming off cancer, like that's that's a challenge. That's tough. But if he gets now that he, you know, now that hopefully and, and seemingly he's healthy uh, off the field, you would hope that he spends this entire offseason now getting John Mechie, the football player, back to where he was when he came out of Alabama. And you look at a guy that really could make an impact on this team because we've seen it at the highest level of college football. Yeah. See, that's why I think he's going to help you at some point. Uh, maybe not to a starter level, but can help. I think he helped you a couple times late in the season. He did, uh, which was promising. Now, give him a full off season where he's focusing 100 percent on football. Like, I mean, I'm I'm excited with Mechie as a prospect. I don't want him to be one of my top four receivers. See, like Hutchinson, said, I like his size. I like the, yeah. the I like the attributes he brings to the table. But now, tell you know, show me you can go catch the football and show me you can you know tighten up your routes and you can be the guy that CJ needs you to be. Not just what you look you look good on film and you look good you know in measurements. Now go out there and show us that you look good when you play NFL football. I, mean, I thought he looked. I thought he looked good. There I mean, were he just moments. Didn't give him any opportunities? Right. There are moments, but if he's going to be a more integral part of the receiver room, then he's got to up his game. I think it was more opportunity than failure, though. Like he didn't do anything in games where I was like, "This guy's a bum." You know what I mean? And I think he was a bum, but I saw a couple of drops where I was like, "You know what? Those are those are balls that you you, you those are catches you make in the NFL." Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. You mentioned okay, if Grenard leaves to Chicago or wherever, it doesn't need to be Chicago. Grenard leaves, which I think is like sixty percent chance it's gonna happen. How do you replace that? I was looking at some of these potential cap casualties around the NFL because we we have a couple for the Texans, Robert Woods, Jimmy Ward, uh, MJ Stewart. Like Those are guys that we think are possible to get cut for the Texans to save money. Other teams have to do the same thing, and other teams are in cap hell where the Texans are not. There are some very intriguing names that are potential cap casualties. I'm going to tell you who I like, run them by you. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I like basketball. You already know that. And if you're in the market for a basketball goal, you got to get a goal from Pro Dunk 
hoops. Why? Well, they're the best. They're the best in the market. I, I walk around the neighborhood. I don't, I don't run anymore. Are you kidding me? Uh, walking around the neighborhood, I see these old crappy goals. They're bent. The rims are jacked up. The backboard's broken. Some of them are laying down completely. I'm like, that, that doesn't look good for the neighborhood. I don't like that. I wish they would do something about that. I wish they would get a goal from Pro Dunk. Pro Dunk's goals are fantastic. They probably bring up the property value of the house anyways. Uh, the highest quality basketball goals you'll find. It's unlike anything you'll find in the big box stores, those cheap goals you find there. No, this, these are the goals from Pro Dunk, the best on the planet. Tempered glass backboard, uh, stainless steel hardware. It's rust-proof. You have to have that in Houston. Uh, breakaway rim, and it is height adjustable. You can lower it down to five feet. You have a little kid working on their game, or you just don't have ups anymore. You can raise it all the way up to 10 feet, too. Work on your shot. Work on your game. Their new goal, four, you can raise and lower goals with a drill. Lightning adjust feature, patent pending. Uh, you can lower it to five, raise it to 10 anywhere in between in a matter of seconds 10 seconds all it takes it's fun to do it's easy to do it's idiot proof for guys like me uh, their accessories are next level too led light kids for night play you work kids go to school only time you have to play is in the evening when the sun goes down well with led light kids you don't have to worry about that anymore backstop nets you don't have to chase the basketball around pull pad lettering a lot of customizable things you can do and lots lots more you can order everything online including professional installation you're not good with a level you're not good with a ladder you don't have to worry about it get a goal from pro dunk they'll professionally install your goal at the perfect height perfectly straight you don't lift a finger let the pros at pro dunk do all of the work for you call now 281-351-9822 get the highest quality basketball goal on the market 281-351-9822 or visit produnk.com that's produnk.com Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. linebackers, what the Texans should look at. 0367, cornerbacks, give me some corners. They're going to have to probably. Yeah. Uh, 8664, Branham, today you said you want talent over leadership, but the other day you said you want coaching over talent, which is it? I think it's two different conversations. We're talking coaching versus talent versus – I was talking players with talent versus players with leadership, uh, not coaching leadership. Uh, I'll take coaching in basketball, in football. I'll take talent over coaching in professional baseball. But if I'm talking about specifically the player, give me the player that has more talent over the player that has more leadership. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so that's what I mean. See by Kevin that, Durant Ocho. if you want to get into which I think Ocho, you knew, I think you knew that. Yeah. See Kevin Durant if you want to get into a debate about leadership with players. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been talking a little bit. A little one chatty, five, little chatty. Yeah. One five zero nine. Can I be get off my lawn real quick? No, we don't do that on this show. Just kidding. Why are so many people in such a hurry that you have to speed all capital letters through a school zone? Uh, exclamation point. Kids are not looking. Three exclamation points. You have to pay attention for them, uh, not your child, but someone's child. Three exclamation points. Uh, I don't disagree at all. I've seen it happen way too much, and it's all fun and games till it's not. Everybody, oh, it's never going to happen. No one needs to worry about that. It's okay until it's not when a kid doesn't stay between the crosswalk lines or you know a ball rolls out in the street, and it's dangerous. And you obviously are more passionate about it when you have kids, but there's a bunch of idiots out there because I'm walking my dogs every morning, and I see people that feel like stop signs are optional, and they actually punch it when it's between school zones, and that's just stupidity. Yeah, that's a good that's a good text. Uh, if you're out there and you're in a school zone, drive the speed limit. Be careful. Look for the children. I mean that sincerely. I know I sound sarcastic, it's, but I, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm being for real. Uh, I'm being sincere. Like, yeah, that's, you that's could not be more be serious traveling. because, I'll, I mean, literally, and I know no one doubts this, but I will actually scream and raise my hands at guys if they're going to just completely ignore. It's one thing a school zone and the speed limit. Another thing, if you start blowing off stop signs, now you're really asking for some for something to happen, whether it's an accident with your car or some kid or dog or something. In the, yeah, it's just not good. Now I am anti, um, I am anti speed limit and stop signs and stop lights when it's outside of a school zone. I will say that. 
I am a. Uh, I am on the highway. A little bit of danger. Uh, catch my drift. I'm not going rolling through stop signs and stoplights. Eh, I mean, you don't need to completely stop if there's no one else around. If you have a little bit of awareness and you realize well, that that's there's the no key. one else around, you can you can count a little bit of awareness gets bit. thrown for a loop with people on their phones and attention. looking at other things and then still punching the the, the, the gas pedal. Just pay a little little bit of attention. So a couple of a uh, couple of places where I saw some cap casualties around the NFL. Like there's some teams that are, are in tough shape. Chargers are going to have to get rid of some money, do tons of restructures. Uh, the Saints for many years were punting on the salary cap to the point where people are like, well, salary cap's not real. Well, okay, well watch what they do this off season and tell me the salary cap's not real. Um, now you can punt, you can you can kick the can down the road where you don't have to worry about it for a couple of years with these restructures and things like that. But here are some names that I, I like. As potential cap casualties. First one, Tyus Bowser, go Cougs. Uh, didn't play a game for the Ravens. I think he's somebody who can get to the quarterback. I don't really know how he fits in with the D'Amico wide nine scheme. I would think he would have to have his hand in the ground, which he wasn't doing in Baltimore. Maybe it's not a scheme fit, but he's a Cougar, and I want him in Houston. Mm, Bring him key. home. Uh, how about Nick Chubb? Well, I mean, that's the first one where my eyebrows went up and went, hmm. Uh, you know, obviously it's a big assumption to say he's going to be healthy, but, but with medical advancements the way they are, if he's healthy, boy, oh, boy, I'll tell you what. You want to talk about the running back that hasn't been considered that would be better than just about anybody that's out there that the Texans could consider adding at running back. If you get Nick Chubb at you know close to where he was before that injury, my goodness, he would be something special on that offense. He's 29. He's going to be 29 this year. Um, now, I'm not really concerned about the injury. Like, there's guys that get like I'm not I'm not really been out of shape about an ACL anymore. Like those guys come back just as strong as they ever were. Now he was getting pretty close to like what we consider the peak for a running back. So does like the ACL does that take a year down? Like that's something to keep in mind. But if he becomes available, uh, that's something that I'm interested in kicking the tires on reasonably priced. Now like, Jeremy, going to break the bank. Think about where I'm coming from though. It's not just like I'm because I'm not worried about the surgery itself and the recovery. Some guys you find you don't find out till it's too late that you know once they have one or or maybe even before that genetically they're going to start breaking down, especially at a certain time time in their careers when they've had some punishment too. To where the last thing you want to do is go out and overcommit and then realize this could be a, a serious downside with him staying healthy and and have another injury. How much does it bother you though that with a just like a torn ACL? Like oh no, well, the, I, I the get problem, what you're saying. It wasn't just a torn ACL; it was multiple ligaments. And even though guys do come back from this, you often see running backs. I mean, Saquon was this way, Brees Hall was this way. Even though they come back and are ready for the beginning of the year, they don't often look like themselves to sometimes halfway into that following season. So it would really be price dependent for me on Nick Chubb because I wouldn't expect him in September to look like Nick the Nick Chubb we know. I thought it was I thought it was better than they first diagnosed. Like, I'll double check it, but I thought I remember when the, when the injury first happened, they were talking about multiple lig- ligaments, not just the ACL. I, I understand. Wanna, I want to I want to say that Schefter tweeted out like a couple of days after the surgery that it, like it wasn't as bad as it appeared, but I I could be wrong on that. I, I think the underst- the, the only thing that I was going to say for, on that front was you you just got to make sure he's going to be available to you for the majority of the season. I, I mean, I think sure. legitimately there's a chance he's not ready for the start of the season. But if you get primetime Nick Chubb by, you know, week six, you're probably in a pretty good spot. Yeah, t- I'm, I'm more worried about the age uh, than anything else because uh, he's going to be 29 years old. Like, it's pretty old for a running back. Yep. And then coming off the injury, like you said. Um, there's talks in L.A. that they're going to have to get rid of a receiver, whether it's Mike Williams or whether it's Keenan Allen. Give me either one of them. I would happily on a one year Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. I'll give Mike Williams multiple years. Mike, Keenan Allen probably one year. Mike Williams coming off an injury, and Mike Williams got a lot of money. You just but, told me you don't care about ACLs. No, but I'm saying he's coming off an injury, and he was extremely expensive. Signed a massive deal last year, and now he's going to get cut. But he's going to want another big-time contract to come play for just about anybody, I would think. Yeah, I wonder what his price would be. Uh, but there's ta- those are talented dudes that I'd be super interested in. Uh, there's more on the uh, more of these guys that I have. But uh, just we gotta, uh, we gotta one quick follow-up on Nick Chubb. So there, the, he did te- indeed tear the ACL. The, the thing that's most problematic about the ACL tear is he didn't have that surgery until mid-November because he had a first surgery to repair his MCL and his meniscus. So it was two surgeries first meniscus and MCL, and then he didn't have the ACL surgery until November. So now your one-year timeline is obviously going deep into the season. Yeah, it's September, yeah. October. That's almost three I months I in. I don't mind the ACL and MCL tears, the meniscus, whatever. But I don't like I don't like the timeline there. 
I don't like it at all. Now, people get back from ACLs quicker than than 12 months now. So maybe it's a little bit sooner than next November. But I think it does take a little bit of a while to get your sea legs. Eh, Meniscus is, is attractive. If it's just the meniscus and it's not like completely tearing the ligament off the bone, it's about a month and a half. It depends on if you get the full uh, repair or if you just get a cleanup. The meniscus is tricky. Like, it depends on the – but the MCL and the ACL are both the, the lengthy ones here. Right. Uh, and if you didn't have it until November, that's that's problematic. That was a few months ago. Uh, 713-780-ESP at HRMP listener line. More cap casualties that I want in Houston. At least kick the tires on. 713-780-ESPN. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. <laughs> Houston, you're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. He's Blank on Branham, 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line 713-780-3776. We're on YouTube now, just search ESPN Houston on YouTube. Uh, We made listening and watching your favorite sports radio station, that's us, even easier. Officially streaming on the ESPN Houston YouTube channel every single day. You can easily listen and watch anywhere and everywhere. Make sure that you subscribe if you haven't already done so. And remember, viewers, smash that like button. Smash the like button. Subscribe. You're in for a treat with ESPN Houston on YouTube. So these cap casualties that I'm a fan of. Zero four four six. by the way, Chubb is not going anywhere. They will restructure him way too valuable to the franchise beyond his skills as a running back. Not doubting you at all, 0446. What are his skills that they value that they wouldn't let him go? I wonder. Like, is he good in the community there? Like, I have no idea. I've never I mean, heard. look, you can have the guy that's the best in the community and, and is up for the Walter Payton Man of the Year award, but if he is, isn't capable of doing stuff on the field, teams are going to move on, and they're going to keep you as an ambassador. <laughs> I just... I mean, he damn well better have plenty left in the tank as a running back. And, yeah, maybe you can work out something to restructure him if he really likes it there. But let's not just be overly certain. I think it's probably Lenny, the Browns fan, that's doing that's texting that. But let's just not assume that he'd be willing to restructure and that that's something that's just a done deal. What about Joe Mixon? I think Joe Mixon's got plenty left in the tank. I think Joe Mixon could, be, could still be a, a, a good number one running back in this league. I think Joe Mixon could be good here. I'm kind of out on <laughs> Mixon. Um, he's one that I don't like. I saw Aaron Jones' name come up. Aaron Jones is uh, he's making too much money, but based on what he showed you at the end of the year, it's going to be pretty tough to walk away from that guy, especially with how important he can be for that quarterback. Uh, I could see them trying to restructure him, but I, at the at the worst case scenario, but I don't think he's going anywhere. Another the final running back that I, I saw mentioned as a cap casualty, and this this is the Saints. The Saints are in awful mm-hmm. awful cap situation. Alvin Kamara, I'm out on him. I don't think he's got much left in the tank. I, but you think Mixon does? I th- I think Mixon. I think Mixon has more. Come on, to me, Kamara, and I get it. He wasn't on a great team, but I think Mixon Mixon still has enough. I think he's got plenty left in the tank. Mixon's one year younger, to your point. I'm way more interested in Kamara. Um, and, and part of this is because I love what he does in the passing game. And oh, I feel like that's the one area where C.J. Stroud and the Texans didn't really get the most out of. And maybe it's it's because of who you had there. Like, Damian Pierce wasn't going to catch a ton of balls out of the backfield. Uh, Singletary wasn't as good of a pass catcher as I thought he could have been. But, like, they left tons. And, you know, I watch all these on All-22, not to pat myself on the back. But that's where I feel they left the most meat on the bone was running backs out of the backfield and if you get a Kamara that's kind of why I'm interested in Eckler and most people aren't and I understand Eckler had a really bad season if you get a running back on this team that is dangerous out of the backfield I think this offense is going to explode I I don't disagree at all but then I would ask the question do you if you got if you got Mixon for Singletary money do you think Singletary or Mixon would be better yeah I don't think you're gonna get uh I don't one I don't think that's gonna happen but to answer your question uh, I think Mixon would be a little better. I think Mixon would be a little better. I think uh, Kamara is definitely not a guy that's going to settle for Singletary type money or five million dollars a year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, he like, just seems know. like he, even when he before he got his deal, he pushed hard to get that deal. I don't know once why. He, I don't why. I don't know why Kamara and, and Mixon would be that far off though. Like, you, I mean, you you think that you Mixon has more left in the tank? Why would their salaries be that different? 
because Kamara was making a lot more money than Mixon, was he not? Yeah, I'm not sure that their salaries I, were, but I, I don't know like if that matters. Like it's the value of when they're in free agency. Like it doesn't matter what they used to make; it matters what somebody's willing to pay them. That's true, but I think that if you get a taste of it and you've been making at a make money at a certain level for a certain period of time. The expectation is you're going to make something close to that. But what that. if nobody pays you that? Well, then you have to choose if you want to keep playing football. <laughs> well, I don't think either one's going to retire. No, I know, but I mean, teams got to, teams are, if, if they're not willing to pay what you think you're worth, you obviously have to make concessions. Marquez Valdez Scantling's on here. I was curious, your thoughts on him in a Texans uniform? Marquez Valdez Scantling is always going to be the one question mark that he always has. He's got all the skill in the world, he's got speed, but his hands are iffy. Yeah, that's and, scary. and he made a hell, you know, he made. He made his, his, some money in the playoffs again by his hands coming through a few times. But overall, I've seen him drop way more than I've seen him catch, and I don't need another Will Fuller. Yeah, I'm out on Scanling. I just wanted to get your idea because you've seen him play football yep. more. Uh, we mentioned Mike Williams there a little bit. Uh, another receiver that is mentioned, Hunter Renfro. I love it. I really, really good defense I, in right field. He's got a really strong arm. I'm really intrigued by Hunter Renfro. He was misused the last year to two years with the Raiders, but before that, he was tough. He made catches in the slot. He, I mean, he, he I, I, his hands, even blocking. I would love to look at Hunter Renfro. Yeah, he caught 103 passes in 21. I was a, a big fan of his that year. Um, I wonder about his electricity, though. I did, and I probably had too much of him in the year after when uh-huh. he was a bust. Um, I wonder about his electricity, though. Like, he can catch the football, really good possession receiver, and this is me throwing out white stereotypes. But, I mean, I've seen him play a good amount. Like, he's not that burner that's going to create oh, tons no. of space. He's just going to be that guy when you need four yards on a third and three, he's going to be there for the catch. But then whenever you need three, four, uh, five yards on a third and five, he's going to be there for four yards. We'll see. I, I think that if he replaces Robert Woods, I'd take it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he's, your, if he's that third receiver type, I mean, he's good in the slot. Tank and, and Nico played more outside than slot. I, I wouldn't be – I wouldn't be upset if he's your number three receiver. It wouldn't be my favorite target because I think he does lack a little bit of athleticism. Now, makes makes up for it in his route running in his hands. But, you know, I think this is an offense that wants to create separation, mm-hmm. and I don't know if he's that guy. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line for Andy in downtown. What's up, Andy, in downtown? Hey, I love what you guys are talking about running back. You know, they've got Jacobs and uh, Barkley – and um, Derrick Henry at you know ten million a year or, or more. I, I'm thinking I'll take Singletary for about five million and go find go get me an Eckler or, or a uh, Devontae Smith for about six or seven. I'll take two of them at twelve instead of one of those other running backs at ten or eleven. Yeah. I think you meant DeAndre Swift, uh, Devontae Smith, the receiver from Philly. I, was I think say, you meant DeAndre. If you're getting Swift. DeAndre Swift, I mean, uh, if you're getting. Uh, the wide receiver Smith, you're getting a hell of a deal. I agree with him though. Like I think, and that's why I'm intrigued by the the uh, the cap casualty market because I don't think these cap casualty guys they've like they've been paid, they've gotten some carotene money, they've gotten some signing bonuses. I think they could come cheaper. Like maybe a Kamara, and you know I don't like Mixon as much as you do, but maybe a Kamara and Mixon they come in at six, seven million as opposed to like a Barkley, Josh Jacobs at ten and eleven. Like you know, is it worth to? Get the free agents who want four million dollars more, or is it more? Does it make more sense to sign well, like Kamara, and then you still bring back Singletary? And there's an argument to be made, Jeremy, about the fact that if you've gotten the money but you haven't tasted winning on a consistent level, that and you still want to take, you kind of try and win, that you could come here and find a spot and make the team better and, and kind of fulfill some of the other things that you want to do too. We've seen that happen in a lot of sports with veterans later in their career. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But it would be intriguing to find out what they have left in the tank. And if you could get a guy on a bargain deal that could upgrade your running back position like that, I'd be interested in that for a one- or two-year deal. I'm more interested in the free agent that you're going to get cheaper and bring back Singletary and still maybe even draft the guy in the fourth, fifth round. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like where Andy's mind's at on that. Uh, they're, they're saying that Taysom Hill could be a cap casualty. Would you like the Swiss Army knife known as Taysom Hill? Um, I mean, is he going to uh, – you know, I think – I've always thought that if Taysom Hill just focused on tight end the entire time – that Taysom Hill could be an above-average tight end in this league, but they move him around a lot, and the way he and it, and the way they move him around is gimmicky. I don't think he's good enough to be your 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 backup quarterback. I don't 
he's got some effectivity with Bobby Slowick in that offense as a weapon. But I don't. I just, overall, I just I don't think I'd be interested in him. I I would. I, I'm in love with Taysom Hill. Uh, I think he would be really fun to add to the, uh, add to this team. You weren't great in short yardage last year. He's not bad in short yardage. Although I don't really want to run a whole lot of wildcat because it means C.J. Stroud's not touching the football. I'd be very intrigued with Taysom Hill and then allow Bobby Slowick uh, to do whatever with him. A couple of defensive names. I'm just going to throw them out all all out there and see who you like. Jamal Adams, Kevin Byard. Uh, Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack, they're saying one of the two. C.J. Mosley might be a cap casualty in New York. And then Demario Davis, the old linebacker with the Saints. Now, the Bosa, there's no way they're going to walk away from Bosa. I don't know, man. He's always hurt. And they have, their, their cap situation is brutal. It is, but that's too good of a talent to just walk away from. I, I would love Bosa on this team. I mean, he is, he is a monster. But I just I can't see in in reality that that happening. But I if the, if he if that happens, the Texans should be all over trying to see if they can find a way to work that out. I think he would be he's dominant. I, I think he would be great on this team. With now D'Amico. he just he doesn't play much. Like he played in up. nine games yeah. this year. He played in five games the year prior to that. He's going to be twenty nine years old. I actually it makes sense to me if he is a cap casualty. I could see him cutting both of these guys because he's not on the field. Like and they're going to have to make some very difficult decisions. Like we're talking Keenan uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. We're talking Bosa, uh, Khalil. Mack. Now, Khalil Mack's probably the one that really gets cut. I would be fascinated with Khalil Mack. I think Khalil Mack makes I would a too. lot of sense for the Texans. See, now you crapped on the other one but because of his age, but I would for a year or two only, for a two. year or two only, I think Demario Davis would be a, an upgrade, and Demario Davis is capable of doing a whole lot of things, like maybe not to the level because of his age that Fred Werner does, but uh-huh. I think D'Amico could use Demario Davis the same way, and I think he's still got plenty left in the tank. Who did I crap on that was old? No, Demario Davis. You were like, it, the, the, he's old. The old, but he's still damn good. I, I didn't, but, he, but all I said was that he was old. I think he's really good, too, and I would take him. But I, I would, would take love him, him, but he is old. I think we're on to something, though, more so than anything else. I think the Texans could make their biggest impact to jump up to that level we were talking about in the first segment just with cap casualties. You can, I, I think they're going to catch a lot of guys on, on cheaper contracts that get, that get thrown to the wayside unexpectedly that they could snap up. I think this is this is like the the points you've been making like in free agency where you can try to get players who want to play with the Texans. I think are these guys. Yep. Like I don't think it's the free agents really that are hitting the market for the first time. I don't think it's Mike Evans. I don't think it's Saquon Barkley. <laughs> I think it's these two these type of guys like a Camaro right. uh, or a Mixon or a Demario Davis who's here for one year. Like Mosley's a stud. Mosley's still going to be in a yep. lot of money. He's really, really really good. Well, and the other thing that you got to take into consideration is if they're going willing to take less for this situation. Obviously, the, the the situation with the team and the chance to win matters. And then, am I going to start? Am I going to have a position on this team? And does this team have a chance to be successful? Because it's in my best interest as well as the team. If I play well and the team wins and plays well, then I'm going to get more exposure and I'm going to get more money either here or somewhere else. I would love the opportunity to get some of these guys on the roster not go out of whack with your cap situation, and definitely upgrade your team. Seven one three seven eight zero espn Who is the most important starter for the Astros this year on the bump? And I have a, I have a plan for Lance McCullers. I, I'm going to tell you what I want to see from Lance McCullers. Skiller Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.